Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. It has been brought to my attention, dear friends, that I have, over the years of our acquaintance, presented you with something of a limited picture of the girl detective's interests. To wit, shoes, liquor, handguns, and anything in tight slacks. It has been suggested by those who ought to know better, I might add, but it has been suggested that impressionable young ladies gathered around their radios at finishing school to hear the latest ripping yarn from the casebook of Justice and Dixon might benefit from a more balanced portrait of the artist as a young hellcat. No, I'm sorry, that last bit was mine. But in all, it was desired that if nothing else, yours truly should show a healthy interest in more socially acceptable forms of exercise than was my usual want. Which is why, and I think it ought to be very clear, the only reason why, I found myself that particular Saturday within the temple to fitness and sport that was my local bowling alley. Well, What on earth did you expect? I am, for reasons we need not discuss just now, banned from several local boxing gymnasiums, and football players spend entirely too much time with their hands on each other's fannies for my taste. In any case, it was raining, there was nothing in particular on the radio, and Leon's bowlerama was less than a block from my apartment. As I sat at the bar, sipping a passable Tom Collins, and trying to gain an appreciation for a game that was limited as far as I could tell to attempts to roll a rock at some sticks that weren't exactly moving or putting up much of a fight, at least one thing became clear to me. This was not the sort of sport that discriminated on the basis of class, gender, or indeed basic fitness. There were, however, more than a few supple young Lothario types who, in the act of releasing the ball and delicately crossing their right foot behind them as they leaned way, way over, inadvertently put on quite a quality show. Or at least one worthy of another Tom Collins to properly consider. Come to think of it, if you count those awful little two-toned loafers they rented, Leon's Bolarama had shoes, liquor, and the aforementioned tight slacks. Now we just needed some handguns. I really should have seen it coming, you know. Can I talk to you? I haven't been able to stop you so far. Though in all fairness, I should point out that I haven't tried, and if I tried, I could. Is that a yes? No, but it isn't a no. Do you roll? Kind of strong for an opening question, isn't it? What? Or is that a depressingly straightforward bowling analogy? Yes. Gosh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you bowl? No, I just stop by to have my highlights done. I don't understand. I get that a lot. You're not a fan of the straight answer, are you? The straight answer? Is that a quiz show? See what I mean? I'm a coquette. It's part of my charm. Is it? You don't find it so charming? I guess not. Well, by my count, there are 11 empty stools around this bar. Why not take your act on the road? I just wanted to talk to you. And I keep bothering you by talking back? Uh, Folks say that you're a detective. Ah, so you and your tight slacks have a professional inquiry. Uh, Me and my... Yeah, maybe. 
In that case, pull up a stool, Mr... White. Jim White. Pleased to meet you, Mr. White. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Sorry about the banter. I try not to wear my professional demeanor on weekends if I can help it. Uh, that's okay. I can see why you might have thought I was after something else. I'm sure you can. Though now that we've established a crisp, freshly laundered business relationship, I feel obliged to point out that my eyes are up here. What's that? Oh, right. Right. What about you, Mr. White? Do you... What was it? Do you... Roll? Sure. I'm a professional. Professional what? Bowler. They have those? Of course. I won the Bromo Fizz Invitational last month. Maybe you heard about it. My invitation must got lost in the mail. It's kind of a big deal. I never doubted it. It's a $5,000 purse. You don't have to impress me, Mr. White. You had me at Bromo Fizz. What need could an enterprising youngish man such as yourself have for a detective? Bearing in mind that my eyes are still up here. Sorry? It's just that... I am aware of the difficulty involved. You're not from around here? How did you know? Just a guess. You have a traveling salesman look in your eye. A look that says you've lived out of a suitcase for too long. (laughs) You're pretty good. You're only saying that because it's true. You do the things you do, you know? You choose the life you lead, and the sooner or later it just kind of chooses you. You lost me. Ten years ago, this was everything I ever wanted. Traveling from town to town, making my living doing something I'm good at. Something I love to do. Sounds all right. It was. It is. But you give up a lot of things, too. And here we enter into the meat of the meal. What? I'm sorry, Mr. White. I've heard this kind of story one too many times not to know when we're transitioning to Act Two. Who did you give up? Karen Cameron. (laughs) A swell girl about eight years ago. I I did everything wrong. And I'm not saying I didn't, but that's not really... I mean, you can't turn back the clock, can you? You'd be surprised the number of people who try. This is... There's really no way to tell this story without sounding like a heel. Ah. What does that mean? means I have a general idea that perhaps the issue is perhaps a little smaller than the girl loved and lost. Or at least younger. Like maybe about seven years old now? Yeah, something like that. I heard about... I heard through some friends about six months after the baby was born. I tried to reach Karen, but I guess I didn't really try that hard. When she never called me back, I kind of thanked my lucky stars and walked away. Well, you're right. You do sound like a heel. So let's stop apologizing for that and get down to brass tacks. What do you mean? You sat down beside me because you heard I was a detective. Yeah, I'm in town for the annual Benton Sausages Championship. That's two weeks from now. How did you know? See the big banner over the lanes? Benton Sausage Championship, September 20th? You don't miss much. I thought it was funny. Reads like an eating contest. You came into town early to try and find the girl you walked away from. I came to town to try and meet my son. So what went wrong? I can't find her. Karen, or the boy. That's a problem, all right. I knew her when we were back in Akron. Ohio? Is there another? I don't know, and I don't want to. So there are no mutual friends from the old days to help you find Karen here in town? No. I found out she's here, but that's as far as I got. And she isn't Karen Cameron anymore. There are a number of reasons why that might be true. Though for the moment, let's assume the obvious. And when the phone book let you down, you didn't know what to do. So you spilled your guts to some of the locals at the alley between frames, and they pointed you over to me. Something like that? Something like that. Here, take my card. Will you help me? Probably. I never commit to a job with more than one drink in me. Come round to the office tomorrow, and I'll let you meet the help. And that's just what he did. 
For his part, the help was polite and accommodating, perhaps in response to my suggestion that I hadn't exactly been. As long as one of us was at least some of the time, we usually kept the job long enough to do it, and sometimes even long enough to get paid. The job sounded like a simple enough one, but there was one hitch, which Jack had explained to our new client in simple terms. Finding somebody sounds easy enough, Mr. White. And to tell the truth, it usually is. Especially if you've done it before. When it isn't, there's sometimes a reason. Sometimes there isn't, mind you, and Miss Dixon and I hope that this is one of those times. But sometimes there is. Not to put too fine a point on it, sir, but we don't generally find people who don't wish to be found. Oh, if there's a posted reward, it's another matter. But women and children gotta say in this. We get $39.95 a day plus expenses. We'll need three days in advance, and we won't go over that without your okay. We'll find Karen Cameron, or whoever she is now, and if her story matches yours, and she thinks her boy ought to meet his father, warts and all, then so be it, and everybody's happy. If she says otherwise, you'll get your money back, and we'll all be a few days older and no richer. Sound fair? Jim White hadn't looked that happy about it, but in the end he nodded. He didn't like the idea of coming this far and not getting his answer but he couldn't see any way we were going to take him for a ride, and I did my hard-boiled best to suggest through my demeanor that he didn't have a whole lot to say in this anyway. Most of the people who darkened our door were more or less exactly what they say they were, if for no other reason than John Q. Public doesn't have much of an imagination. But it didn't take you long in this business to get burned by a liar. And Trixie and I had long ago resolved that we would be the only ones to suffer in this process, mostly because exacting a painful revenge for such a misdeed was something we both enjoyed, Kind of like mean kids who like to pull the wings off of flies. Anyway, as our pro bowler left us with an old photograph of Miss Cameron, peeled off 620s and took his receipt and 15 cents change, I was pretty sure we wouldn't have to invoke our Old Testament proclivities. He seemed pretty serene about the whole affair. I noted this because it was an unusual response. I decided it was a weight off his shoulders to hand the search to two trained professionals. That sounded good. It sounded just about right, actually. It made me wonder why more people didn't seem to have that same reaction. Or anyone, for that matter. Ever. There you are. I noticed that. Any calls? Freddy the finger twice and Nurse Dot once. My, my. Whom shall I telephone first? What a dilemma. When are you going to marry that girl? When I get around to it. That's nice. Thank you. Very manly. Good of you to notice. She said no, didn't she? Shut up. And she didn't say no, she said not yet. Leave the phone alone, Andy Hardy. You can call Polly after you make with a skinny. I can do both at the same time. Marriage certificate on file downtown. Only took a couple hours to find. Karen Cameron married one Donald Black three years, two months, and 17 days ago. From white to black, huh? Yeah. I tried to think up a witticism for that and came up empty. Shocked. I'm shocked, I say. And where does the Black family reside? Couldn't say. Make with the phone book. Nice. There's no answer. Why is there no answer? Do you mean why isn't she sitting at home in her frilly underthings waiting for you to call? Well, I didn't before, but I do now. Cool your jets, flyboy. She called to say she's picked up a night shift tonight, so dinner's off. You can meet her in the hospital for breakfast if you wish. You knew this, and you invoked the frilly underthings anyway? Some call me cruel. Black, Donald, and Karen, 63 Russell, we should take a drive. Match the photo to the face without being made, if possible? That's the idea. I can handle this if you want to get mixed up in Freddy's idiocy. Which is what? Freddy and I aren't girlfriends. We don't chat. Describe his state when he called. Somewhere in the vastness between befuddled and apoplectic. It's hard to tell when you really don't give a damn. Why, you thinking about ducking him? Maybe. Any special reason or just finally got a brain in your head? The marriage license. 
It called Karen Cameron a widow. Is that right? Doesn't match the story. She might have fudged it a little to explain away her then four-year-old bundle of joy. Maybe. So how far did she fudge it? And what does Mr. Black know? Or think he knows? So this just got complicated. So maybe I'll come with, just for fun. I'm driving. We made our way to the general area of Russell Street, a nice little neighborhood with nice little houses in which nice little people seem to live. It was nice. I hated it. Jacques Q. Gumshoe, on the other hand, spent a little too long looking at a charming place with a white picket fence and a for sale sign on the lawn. I made a mental note to slap him when we were away from such polite company. The boy clearly needed some toughening up. Karen Black came walking down the street a little after half past three, with a young fellow who looked to be about seven years old at her side, breathlessly telling her something that just happened at school, or so I imagined. The woman was a real beauty. And more to the point, she was the former Karen Cameron, all right. I wondered what our client had been thinking, letting a girl like that get away. Then again, I'd spent too much time in a glass house to go throwing many stones at Jim White. And besides, he wasn't here for the girl. I looked at the boy. The reason for all of this. He seemed like a happy enough kid, looked too much like his mother to tell who his father might have been. But we knew it wasn't the man he called Dad these days. If he had been four years old when his mother married Don Black, he must have known that too. I wondered what the kid knew. Did he know that his real father was out there somewhere? A champion of the bowling alley, if not much else? Didn't he deserve to? Just because something makes things more complicated, it doesn't mean it makes them worse. I hope that Mrs. Black would agree. We didn't get to make with a happy ending nearly as often as we would have liked. But what happened next was going to be the client's call. Jim White had himself a bed in a rooming house not far from Leon's Bolarama, a base of operations for his search while he prepared for the tournament. We didn't have much in the way of revelations for him. We didn't know for certain that the boy with the girl he'd once loved and got lost from was the genuine certified fruit of his loins, nor was that, strictly speaking, our business. But we did know where the boy could be found, together with the woman who may or may not care to ever see Jim White again. This is where it got tricky. The best-case scenario was that Mr. White and Mrs. Black would be able to put the past behind them for the sake of the boy we shall, for the sake of argument, call Little Gray. Failing that, the next best option might be that our client chickened out yet again and took his act back out on the road. Telling him that we had found his son and that the boy's mother wanted nothing to do with Jim White now or later would not be an easy answer for him to take. And more to the point, it would tip him off that his abandoned family was here in town, and the next detective he went to might not share our qualms. That was the worst scenario I could imagine. Setting the pieces in motion for a second act, we were in no position to control. As we neared Jim White's rooming house and saw the proliferation of local law enforcement spread out in all directions, like an army of industrious blue ants, it occurred to me that there was another option that was slightly worse. Jack hopped out to find a cop who'd still speak to us while I searched for a parking spot that wasn't filled by a prowl car. When I hoofed it back to him, he already had the answer to the musical question that was running through my head. Well, the good news is our no-refunds policy isn't about to take a beating. The bad news is that Jim White has been murdered. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. You have to take the rough with the smooth, my friends. Yes, we were in for a long afternoon and probably evening answering a lot of fool questions posed by the guardians of law and order. But at least today we were technically still getting paid for our trouble. 
and the Memorial General Hospital having already put the kibosh on my plans for the evening, I wasn't even standing up anybody soft and nurse-shaped for once. So you see, it is possible to find the good in everything. Lieutenant Sabian seemed particularly pleased to see us. No, 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 no! Not you two! Not today. I think he missed us. He buries his feelings so deep. The strong, silent type. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't book the two of you on suspicion and leave you to the night shift. Our obvious innocence notwithstanding? Not a term I have self-applied in some time. Not guiltiness, then. Ah, le mot juste... Wait. What? Nothing. I was hoping for a fatal heart attack, but I think it's just gas. Oh, such a lady killer. I just might... All right, give it to me. What do you already know? White, James Bernard, pro bowler. Not a bad one, either. Won the Sparkle Drops Invitational last month? Bromo fizz. And yeah, I remember. You do? It's kind of a big deal. So I've been told. Took a thirty-two caliber bullet to the gut. Close range. Shooter must have pressed it up right against White's belly to muffle the shot. No one heard a thing. Why would he let the shooter get that close? Gosh, it's almost as if he had a gun pointed at him. It's an interesting point. Door was locked from the inside. There's a fire escape out the window. Killer must have gone that way. We've got men looking for footprints down there, but they haven't found much but cop boots. What a surprise. They take White's body away already? Nah, he dragged himself into the bathroom. Through here. Ugh. Yeah, it'll be a while cleaning this up. Why did he come in here? How should I know? Why do people do anything? Oh, hooray for modern detection. He'd been shot, Justice. He was dying. You ever see a man take a gut shot, Sabian? Sure, in the war, just like you. Then you know Jim White didn't die fast, and he didn't die easy. So why didn't somebody hear him cry out? Why did he drag himself through the door that led to no help at all? You ruled out a suicide? Well, now that I know he was your client, yeah, it's just possible. Wise guy. Nobody does themselves in this slow and this painful. There's no point. A suicide wants it over fast and clean. If he knows what he's doing, he puts the gun in his mouth and aims up. If he doesn't, he puts it to his temple. Besides, look at the hands. No powder burns. Okay, okay. Emmy hasn't taken the bullet out, have they? Yeah, Justice. We conduct a lot of autopsies in the victim's John. It saves a ton of overhead. So how do you know it was a thirty-two? Found the gun. Over there. Ran the numbers. No history was reported stolen about a year ago. So, you want to make with the skinny and tell me how this poor sap was lucky enough to know you two? He had a son in town he never met, about seven years old. You looking for the kid? Found the kid. Haven't asked the mother how she feels about a reunion just yet. That's something you normally do? Yep. Good. I better have the details just in case. The mother was once Karen Cameron. These days she's Karen Black, 63 Russell Street. Black. Sure. Russell Street. Husband's name, Donald. I think I hate this. Why do I hate this? Maybe because it was Don Black who reported the murder weapon stolen last September. Looks like somebody knew your boy was in town after all. And he's the one that killed your client. It looked simple enough, all right. Simple enough that Sabian called an APB and had Donald Black in custody within 20 minutes. There being not much of anything in particular by way of evidence, though, the good lieutenant was obliged to do that which he most detested. Bring old Square John me downtown to give our statements over and over again to himself, an assistant DA named Jenkins, and a stenographer, whose name I did not catch, nor did she throw. 
The smart thing to do was tell our story, nice and simple, and let the law work it out. So, of course, that was not at all what Jack did. I'm telling you, Sabian, this whole thing smells. If we could stick to the facts, Mr. Justice, without the editorial content, it would make this whole process a lot simpler. Mr. Jenkins, this afternoon I looked at a seven-year-old kid who had two dads, even if he didn't know it. Now he has one in a holding cell. If you get your way, he'll have none. That's not something simple. And none of that changes the facts of the matter, Justice, which is what we are paid to determine. The police and the district attorneys, not you. Call me a philanthropist. I'm going to call you booked as a material witness if you don't settle down and give me what we need. Where are you going? The ladies' room. We're not done here. Which is why I'm going to the ladies' room instead of just getting the hell out of here. Try not to beat Jack's brains in till I get back. That's usually pretty fun to watch. As I stepped into the island of tranquility that is the powder room at Central Homicide, I heard the unmistakable sound of somebody crying their eyes out. Let's be frank, that's the sort of thing you run across as often as not in a place that has both death and consequences hanging over it each and every day. But it didn't take much to recognize the crier in question as Karen Black. I should have stayed out of it. It would have been easy to. But somehow I couldn't escape the nagging feeling that we were part of this. I didn't quite know how or why, But one man was dead, and another was in a cell, and this woman and her son looked to be alone again, and soon. And somehow we were in this. So we talked. I have been lied to by experts, my friends. I have been fooled, duped, tricked, bamboozled, and generally taken in. I have rarely been burned by any of this because I expect it. I can spot a bad liar at 30 paces, a great liar at close range, and even when someone is so good that you could never possibly suspect them of anything, I do. But Karen Black was as sure as sure can be that the gun had been stolen a year ago. Their house had been broken into, a pane of glass was broken in the back, and a window lifted. Drawers had been rifled, things turned upside down, but nothing had been taken but the gun. And more to the point, until he turned up dead today, she hadn't seen or heard of Jim White since the day he'd left her eight years ago. Not a word. Not a syllable. When it finally occurred to her to ask who I was and why I cared, she started to clam up pretty good. But something had already got under my hairdo and set some gears into motion. It was thin. It was real thin. But it was all I had. Where in blazes have you been? Mardi Gras. Let's get out of here. Music to my ears. You two aren't going anywhere. Arrest us. Lieutenant. Just let's all unclench for a second here. Dixon, what's the rumpus? He didn't do it. Which you're basing on... You got Prince? No. Powder on Black's hands? No. Witnesses? I have the two of you. Swell, we didn't see a thing. Black have an alibi? Just the wife. She might be charged too. What's the motive for any of this? Black wanted to keep White away from his family. Why? There was no chance they'd lose custody of the boy to an itinerant pro bowler he'd never seen before. Maybe he wasn't thinking that clearly. And maybe you're not, Jenkins. Cops close cases fast to get on to the next one. You're the one who has to look like a fool in front of a judge if we don't fix this now. I don't have to put up with this. Lieutenant! Shut up, Mr. Jenkins! All right, Dixon, what's under your bonnet? The police report on the stolen gun, Sabian. What was the date on it? Last September, the, uh... 19th. About the same time as what? About the... I'll be damned. That sounds about right. This is thin. It is, isn't it? What am I missing? Maybe everything, Mr. Jenkins. Maybe everything. What are we doing here, Justice? Playing a hunch. Shut up and look sour. 
Yeah, just like that. You boys need a lane? Maybe later. A couple of beers first. We just had some bad news. Oh, yeah? Old friend of ours got shot today, just up the street. Yeah? I heard the cops were all over the place out there. Sorry to hear that, boys. Yeah, maybe you knew him. Jim White? White? The pro? The one and only. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry to hear that. He was just in here. He's been practicing for the Benton. The Benton? The Benton Sausages Championship. It's here every year around this time, isn't it? Third Thursday in September. I didn't even know Jim was in town till I heard. I hadn't seen him since the tournament last year. He was here last year? Sure he was. Finished third. Boy, that is a real shame. You don't know if he had any family, do you? I'd like to send flowers. Sorry, mister. I, I couldn't say. Mm. Heard he might have had a son in town. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it... He was talking an awful lot about that last year. An old girlfriend married to some local guy. I don't think he'd ever seen the boy, but he was here in town, and Jim was fixing to meet him. Never did hear how that went, though. He never mentioned it again. You didn't ask? I didn't see it was any of my business. You boys need a lane. You, you let me know. Sure will. What does any of this prove? It proves that Jim White's story was a lie. At least some of it. Does that matter? Only when you consider that the chain of circumstantial evidence you want to use to convict Donald Black depends on it. Does it? So, White tried to make contact with his son last year. He ran into Don Black, who told him to stay away if he knew what was good for him. And this year, when he came back, Black was ready. Yeah. Or, White knew where his old girlfriend lived her new life. He heads over, maybe sees the happy family together, and he's the one that gets jealous. He chickens out, which he has a history of doing, but he breaks in and rifles the place when no one's around. Maybe he looks for a picture of the boy, something. He takes nothing anyone would miss except the gun. That seems interesting. So he pockets that, rolls in the tournament, comes third, and heads on his way with a whole year to plan his revenge. To frame Donald Black, a, a man he's never met. Yes. If I can't have my son, then no one will. That's the idea? Yeah. You can't prove it. I don't have to prove it. I'm not in the proving business. It's reasonable doubt, and you know it. It's nothing of the kind. It can't have been suicide. There were no powder burns on the victim's hands. Yeah, I can help you there, Counselor. How'd it go? We decided to skip the second reel. Found this in with White's things. A glove? A white cotton glove. Left hand. Never been worn. I don't understand. If that's the left glove, where's the right one? Nelson's got a man snaking the drain for it now. You mean that... White shot himself in the gut pitched the gun by the window, and staggered into the bathroom to flush the glove down the toilet. Which is why he gave himself a gut shot. Hell of a way to go. And he hired us, figuring that it wouldn't take much for us to find the Black family, since he'd found them on his own, and he figured that the cops would jump through hoops when they heard the name of the man the gun was registered to. Reported stolen or not, Don Black would be suspect number one and only. And it worked. Don't look so smug. We'd have figured it out without you two geniuses. Hey, Vic, you need a lane? Yeah, Leon, and four pair of shoes. But I... I got no plans till breakfast. I don't think Come on, Counselor. Can't you roll in those tight slacks? Uh, can't I? In these? You just mosey over there a moment. I just need a minute. And that is how it went, dear hearts. The best laid plans of mice and men aside, in the end, we had shoes, liquor, handguns, and tight slacks. Ah, oh, well. Maybe next time, kids. Maybe next time. Blackjack Justice, episode 46, A Simple Case of Black and White, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Peter Nickel, Greg Taylor, 
A.J. Haygarth, and Hans Messerschmidt. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday... Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bad Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do nothing. Not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. Stop.